Good afternoon to all of our fellow health enthusiasts. My name is Aubrey Mast and I am a professor of nutrition. This is a new podcast developed by my friend and colleague, Dr. Charles Benz, and we call this show Healing Trends with Dr. Benz. We search the internet every day to find the best scientific studies that can be used to improve the health of every interested person. You will not see many of these studies in the conventional media because most doctors do not have the time or the interest in finding them. There are also special interests that are less than enthusiastic about you knowing about the studies. Every week we will explore nutritional science that has the potential to prevent and even reverse 90% of chronic illness. This could save many lives and help to stop the healthcare crisis that will eventually bankrupt our country. This is frequently called functional medicine and has been adopted by thousands of doctors as well as some medical schools and hospitals, including the Cleveland Clinic. Today's program is entitled, Who Can Afford to Be Healthy and Who Cannot? Hi, Dr. Benz. Hi, Aubrey. Um... This is a painful topic because uh, too many people can't afford to be healthy. When you look at the statistics, you see that uh, a very high percentage of people don't have savings that can allow them to uh, be viable after a month or two. And so this is this is really really a sad situation. And you know we can't really we're not economists, so we really can't get into how, how to solve that problem. But from a nutritional point of view, I think there are things that we can do. And this was brought home to me in a recent interview I did with the administrator of the Functional Medicine Institute at the Cleveland Clinic. And I was talking about what are some of the things that uh, the Cleveland Clinic would like to see if they could wave a magic wand and you know make things better for people. And one of the first things that came out of this administrator's mouth was, I would do something about the food deserts in this country. And I've heard that term before, but I, I kind of knew that there were places where people didn't have access to healthy foods. I did not know that some of these women had to take three buses in order to get to a healthy food store. I mean, that to me is just outrageous. That, that, that shouldn't really uh, be happening. And so that kind of woke me up and made me think, all right, yeah, we need to do something about the food deserts. There's no question. And I'm working on a project right now where we're going to try to address these high priority topics in order to reduce the number of food deserts in this country in the next three to five years. But in the meantime, what can we do to give people a, a, a helping hand? And one of the things that, that uh, we're also working on is to have as many grocery stores as possible have a nutritional evaluation system so that every food, whether it's a whole food or a processed food, has an evaluation. One of them is called the Guiding Stars Program. And you can either get no star, one star, two stars, or three stars. And if people would have that kind of a program and they would just eat three-star foods, um, this would solve a lot of our problems. Because people don't read labels. And I'm sure that you talk about this in your class. And I'm going to let you kind of lead with that when, we get, when, when I get done with this. But I think there are so many things that people can do to improve their diets. And this is what every family should be looking at, especially if they have kids in the family, because every food is not equal. And I have a thing called the food, uh, 
uh, evaluation chart, and I have 200 foods there, and I put foods into categories 1 through 10. And, of course, 7, 8, 9, and 10 are the healthiest foods. And what I said to my CEO group yesterday was, if you can get 80% of your foods in categories 7, 8, 9, and 10, you will reduce your risk of chronic disease by 80 or 90%. I mean, this is just unbelievable how much difference there is in the foods from categories 1, 2, 3, and 4. And so I just wanted to lead with that and then see where you want to take us because I know there's lots of things we can both recommend for people to really know what they're putting in their bodies and how it can impact their, their family health. What, uh, where do you want to go on this? Yeah, I was just reading, um, I teach a food as medicine class and we dive into, you know, using phytochemicals to prevent diseases and uh, looking at how food as medicine can be used both as a philosophy and as a theory. And this week I was looking at some research that was showing that in food deserts or places where we're having um, a lack of access to food, and so there's food inequalities um, and a lack of food sovereignty happening in these locations, that in some pilot studies, when we placed new grocery stores in these areas, um, we actually didn't see a whole lot of increase of consumerism around fruits and vegetables. And so it really begets this question of like, is it just enough to help people have access to fruits and vegetables and plant-based foods? Or is there another component of public health that we really need to tackle? And I think this conversation comes up again and again around helping people become healthy and how do we afford health is that we afford prevention because we're either preventing or retreating an illness. And with part of prevention, it's not just enough. And in fact, in my opinion, it's very short-sighted to think that, oh, if we just give people fruits and vegetables, then it's somehow gonna miraculously change the chronic disease rates that we're seeing. That's just half of the equation. The other half of the equation really comes from food education and from being a chef and from teaching thousands of people at this point in time, what I've come to understand is that it's not just enough to say, hey, eat your blueberries because they're really great with digestive health and um, neurological health and endocrine function that I have to actually teach people how to prepare them in your homes. When we look at the school systems, we see that there's been an, a systematic loss of basic life skills. And these basic life skills include how to prepare food. And if we couple that with the the, the precedence that's happening within um, food insecure locations, we see that it's not just a matter of taking three, five buses to get the food. It's the fact that when they finally get the food home, there's no way of preparing the food in the home. And so there has to be a true change in our food system. And, and that requires an increase in education around how do we prepare food but then also how do we see that connection to preservation? How do we feed ourselves and our community members? How do we share food? How do we grow food locally? Um, there's just a whole lot that arises out of that one question. Yeah, I mean, if, if we could get the education started, if we could get people to be more knowledgeable, and uh, a, a lot of programs have been started with uh, 
people with the churches, with members of uh, church groups. Uh, uh, Mark Hyman had a, had a program with a big uh, church group, and, and so that's one way that people can be reached. I would say let's reach out to our listeners and in their communities, find out what they can do to help because we need an army of people to do this. This, this is not going to happen overnight with just you and I throwing some ideas on the table. But as long as we're here, we, we should throw some ideas out because if we kind of give the, a little bit of the education to our listeners, then maybe they can pass it on to other people in their community, like their religious leaders or their health, uh, their health groups in their community. So the first thing I'm going to suggest is, in spite of the cost, in spite of the cost, organic food is worth the extra price. Because when, when you look at the food that comes into the market from the ordinary farmer across the country, those foods uh, are not being uh, given the right minerals and the right nutrients in order to develop as really healthy foods. And a good example is a carrot. Carrot needs 81 different nutrients in order to make a good healthy carrot. But you only need to put three nutrients in in order to make it look like a carrot, taste like a carrot, and smell like a carrot. But maybe it has like 75 or 80% less beta carotene in it. And so over time, over 5, 10, 20 years, eating those non-organic fruits and vegetables is going to cause you more harm than good because not only are you not getting the, the quality nutrients that are going to build a good carrot or a good uh, you know, spinach leaf, you're getting the pesticides, which puts another challenge into your body. And so organic, the first rule for me is organic food is worth the price, especially in the long term. And we'll talk about long term where this comes out in the cost of your health care later. So that's my first rule. Which, which one would you like to add next? I say eat organic first and always if you can. Uh, I think that's a great place to start. And I also think another place to start is to really... Um, look at the role of community gardens and local food access. And so, you know, there's a beautiful uh, gorilla gardener that come that came out of the Bronx, and he decided to beautify his community by taking places where there's just you know um, strips of grass and plant some food in it. And we see the same thing happening in Seattle. We have got um, a initiative within the city that they are changing um, a lot of these abandoned locations within the city to be foodscapes. And so I think the role of community-supported agriculture is quintessential to organic growing. So that could be as simple as like, hey, instead of having a manicured lawn on your front yard, changing that up with a small-scale garden. It could be as simple as having um, some potters and plants that are growing on your balcony or on your front porch. And there is um, a beautiful non-for-profit that does, it's called 100 Gardens. And their whole initiative is to set up 100 community gardens in every single city across the United States. And that is a great way for people to get land access and grow food and also give to the communities at the same time. And I think that localized food system is really where we have to focus if we're talking about how do we afford health. Well, I think that was a that was an amazing one. I think that 100 foods uh, gardens, that's a fantastic. Did you say 100 gardens for every community? Yes. 
Wow, that's fantastic, yeah. Aubrey. That's uh, <laughs> I may put that one number one. I don't know. That's pretty darn. <laughs> that's a pretty darn good one. Um, I think for number three, I would say get rid of the processed foods and really go for the whole foods. Uh, because when you process the food, you even reduce the amount of nutrients further. And so I, I don't care what kind of processing it is. Uh, I know it's easier. It stores better. But you know what? I think when you process these foods, for instance, uh, they, they take out the omega-3s in a lot of these different foods. And that leaves in the omega-6s. The omega-3s are anti-inflammatory. The omega-6s are inflammatory. And so instead of having a one-to-one -one ratio of omega-3 to omega-6, which is desirable, we're having people end up with 10 to 1. That means they have 10 times as much omega-6 in their body as they have omega-3. They're going to be inflammatory. I mean, that's, there's no question they're going to have inflammatory diseases. So that's one of the other things. Is that, you know, They always say, well, eat on the outside and don't go into the inside. There are some things that you can get in there. I mean, you can still get the whole grain uh, uh, oatmeal uh, in the inside. But make sure if you're going to go to the inside and, and it's classified as a processed food, that it's a whole food, that it's something like that oatmeal that's uh, not an instant oatmeal that actually needs to be cooked for 10 or 15 or 20 minutes in order to really get the, 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 the uh, oatmeal really cooked through. So I would add that one. And I really would quickly add to that frozen foods because you can get organic frozen foods at a fraction of what the fresh organic is. And the green giant understands this. The green giant says when you cook, when you, when you uh, take a food out of the uh, garden or out of the soil, many of them lose up to 10% of their nutritional value every day they're out of the, the soil. And so if you, like the green giant, say, okay, we're going to re, we're going to process these and put them in the frozen within six hours. That means you're getting a pretty good organic food. And so I often tell people, take a real serious look at the frozen food section and look at the vegetables that you maybe even can't get from the community uh, that, that you're in because you're in the north and you don't have these gardens available and the, the, the vegetables and fruits are coming from Chile and Mexico and other places. Frozen foods are a better choice. And so to me, uh, I think we've already given a couple of really good ideas. Is there anything else on food? Because I want to get into the other aspects of, of healthcare and, and cover some of the ways to reduce the cost there as well. Have, have you ever taught your students anything about buying in bulk as an option? Yes, um, buying in bulk usually coincides with meal prepping. And so buying in bulk and getting large amounts of, you know, two, a pound to two, three pounds of uh, dried beans or whole grains, and then spending one day a week preparing that so that it's, you have easy access to quick meals that don't require you to go through the fast food drive throughs I would add to that. And I think additionally, the only other thing I would add is to not downplay the role of hydration um, when we see that you know, a lot of us are chronically dehydrated and how that plays a role within immune system function and inflammation is really important to focus on. But then also, as we've talked about in previous podcasts, the role of detoxification, since we are so 
exposed to such high levels of environmental toxins, agrochemicals. Yeah, and and uh, I, I think it's really important to know that um, some of the water that's being consumed uh, in, in the in the public water system is not very healthy, and and uh, I think up to twenty percent of the water sources in the United States have high levels of arsenic in them, mm-hmm. and, and carcinogens. You know, a lot of times, people don't. Yes, and many carcinogens, and now they're they're finding. Uh, uh, pharmaceuticals in, in the in the water and so unless you've had a really independent test because I don't always trust the municipal authorities to make sure they're doing the right testing a lot of times people have to end up with high levels of cancer in in their neighborhood or their community before they find out that there's a, a water problem so you know I don't recommend everybody go out and get uh, bottled water but there's good air filter or water filters out there that you can get and that helps a lot and, and some of the uh, spring water that's out there is good uh, if you want to try that. But make sure it's tested and make sure it has in it exactly what it's supposed to be in it. Um, the, the other thing that I wanted to talk really quickly uh, about food is that there's, there's things that you can do to actually uh, determine whether you're uh, having, getting a good diet or, or not a good diet. And so there's different tests that you can do to find out whether you have these toxins in your body or not. And so I just think it's worth noting that there's, there's actual ways that you can determine if you're eating a healthy, safe diet. And uh, people should look into that because it's, it's really worth considering. And now let's talk a little bit about medical cost. I think, we're, I think our system is even more broken than it was before. Um, but... The average person um, has to pay a lot for their insurance, and I don't think now uh, most employers are actually trying to reduce their costs, and so they're increasing the deductibles. Ten or twenty years ago, you could get a five hundred dollar deductible, and you know you could cover your first expense, and it wouldn't be a big problem. Now I see employers with up to five thousand dollars in order to get an affordable uh, health insurance program. Well, you, you, can, you can spend $5,000 fairly quickly if you have some kind of a condition that, that requires some testing and maybe a procedure of some kind. And so we need to do a lot better job in, in, uh, in getting affordable insurance for people. Um, do you mention this at all in any of your food as medicine classes as, as a way to reduce your insurance cost or... It, does that even come up in in the courses or the or the clients that you work with? It does come up a lot, especially because I have been fortunate or maybe unfortunate enough to have a lot of students and a lot of clients that are dealing with type one diabetes, and the insulin cost to help the type one diabetic stay alive is just staggering, and especially for a student population that I work with, you know, like. For a lot of students, it can, it's out of the question um, for them to have insurance and then also for them to pay for the medications that they need. Um, and so we talk about this, especially when it comes to um, accessibility and systems that are set up against people actually having access to the things that would help them be the healthiest versions of themselves. And it really 
what we're really tackling is more around health justice and what it would take for us to have a more just medical and insurance-based system where employers and employees are incentivized to being the healthiest versions of themselves and what that really looks like within a workplace or within a school setting or with, you know, individual lives. Yeah, the system really doesn't encourage uh, prevention, does it? it, it uh, no, It's all based all. on treatment. <laughs> so the doctors and the patients, nobody really has a strong incentive. Some of the employers who have a good wellness program, they do have some incentives that, that they offer. Uh, there's one insurance company, Benecomp. Benecomp uh, actually, they're really doing compliance. They're, they're encouraging employees to comply with their medications and things like that. And they are able to drive costs down by 11 or 12%. And they're even able to get an employer to have an immediate reduction in their healthcare costs of 11% just because they know that their track record is so good at getting employees to be compliant. And so they sometimes they change the deductibles if you if you do better. And so that changing of the deductible if you become healthier, that's starting to be an emerging wellness factor, if you will. And so Benecomp is using that. And so if you have two or three conditions, you may have a two or three thousand dollar deductible. If you can get rid of those or, or keep them in balance, you can get your deductible down to $500 or, or zero. And so it is possible to do this, and, and that's the way our system should be going. We also don't have portability. People can't, uh, their systems, their healthcare stays with them and their employer. Uh, one of the reforms that we're trying to get is that it would be with the individual and not be with the company. That would drive competition, and that would allow more people to compete for different programs and allow for lower costs to be driven down. So the existing system is really restricting all of this. The other thing that I notice is employers aren't willing to give their employees time. So it's not just the cost of the, the, the programs themselves, but if they're not willing to give them the time to become educated, if they're not willing to give them some financial incentive to become healthier, and if they're not willing to design their wellness program with options in it for people who really want to become healthier, then they're not really doing wellness. And I find that a vast majority of companies, and there's probably 65% of companies that say they have a wellness program, but probably 95% of them do not have a written plan with goals and objectives and incentives and all the things that are needed in a really good wellness program. So I think that's a real problem. That should be a priority too, to get these employers to pay attention. Um, as, as far as doctors, I think the newest thing out there for doctors is people join these programs called the uh, direct primary care. Have, have you heard a lot about them? Yeah. And so I think the idea there is you pay a monthly premium. And so you can get a premium for like $100 a month. And then, uh, supposedly, you're, they're accessible, you have access to all these different services that this doctor can provide. The problem with these systems, in my estimation, is the doctor can get hundreds of people into their program. If they start to use the services, they're quickly going to run out of money because $100 per person won't cover it. We know that the average family is paying at least thirteen dollars or $14,000 a year for health insurance. So that's like $1,000 a month. 
So if you're only paying $100 for this direct primary care provider, then if you're in a system where you have people with a lot of chronic illness or problems that emerge, then they're not going to be able to cover that. The other thing is these primary care doctors are not functional medicine doctors. Right. And so a lot of them really don't know how to do the prevention thing or do the treatment thing with natural solutions. So that's that's my argument there. But what what do you do for those people that talk to you about this cost of diabetes, these young people that are either type 1 or type, type 2 diabetics? What What's your solution? And I think yours will be kind of a nutritional one. And I'm going to tell you about some of the supplements that I think would be better for them to use. So what, what do you do to get their diabetes costs down? Well, we really talk about the role of not only monitoring and managing diet, but we also talk about the role of the mind, of mind-body medicine or lifestyle medicine, right? Um, and so, you know, for my clients and for my students that are dealing with the really high insurance cost, we talk about ways to, one, curb the pharmaceutical use if they have the capability of doing that. You know, being a type 1 diabetic and dependent on insulin, that's not really um, a legitimate conversation to have. But for a lot of other people and, and students that I have and clients that I have, curbing being on statins or um, um, blood pressure medication is a relevant conversation. And so we look at the role of not only adjusting the diet with changing to a plant-based diet, increasing the amount of phytochemicals coming into the diet and amplifying that by herbs and spices, but we also look at the role of stress management, sleep, hydration, and other lifestyle factors that include movement, mental and emotional health and well-being. And so it's really taking that holistic perspective. Yeah, I, I, I heard about one study uh, recently, a couple of days ago, uh, where uh, there was uh, the whole group, the whole group uh, that was a combination of type 2 and type 1 diabetics got on a plant-based diet, completely plant-based. Some of the people got off the medication in three days. And some of them, it took a couple of weeks. And at the end of the study, 57% of the type 1 diabetics were able to reduce their medication. And so... That's strong. That's really strong evidence. And so uh, I think there's something to this plant-based diet. And I think that uh, Julian Whitaker, a doctor in California, has, uh, has a book out on diabetes. And he uses uh, you know, diet and supplements. And he's got a fantastic success rate. I mean, in, in, in one study alone, where they did a comparison to metformin, which is a a drug that kind of controls blood sugar in the body, when they compared metformin to berberine, which is an herb, a plant, um, the, the, the results were consistently superior for the berberine than they were for the metformin. And so I wonder out loud if even some of these type 1 diabetics couldn't, more of them couldn't get off of their, their medication. Um, because it all depends, really, how many beta cells you have in your pancreas. Some people are born with 250,000. Some people are born with 2.5 million. If you have 10 times as many beta cells making insulin in your body, then you've got you know, much less risk, like 90% less risk of becoming a diabetic. But if you have a family history, and if you actually uh, are diagnosed with uh, type 1 diabetes, 
later on in life, a lot of those people are not type 1 diabetics. Usually a, a true type 1 diabetic, their system kind of destroys their beta cells by the time they're 3 or 4 or 5 years old. But if it happens in your teens or your or 20s or 30s, this is usually just type 2 diabetes that's gone a little bit overboard and destroyed a little bit too many cells. But there may be some beta cells left in the pancreas. And so then if you eat the right diet, you exercise, you take the berberine, and you actually take something called uh, Staminia sylvestris. Staminia sylvestris is an herb from India. It actually will help the multiplication of these uh, uh, cells, these beta cells in the pancreas. And so the functional medicine doctor who's really done his work, his or her science uh, research, knows about a lot of these natural solutions, but it always starts with diet, always. I mean, there's no two ways about that. And I think the other thing is people aren't getting the right testing. And I think these doctors just don't know what the right tests are or they don't want to use them because they're too expensive. Life Extension, Life Extension Foundation has hundreds and hundreds of tests and every year they have a sale where you can get these tests for even less than they're ordinarily uh, on sale for and anybody can order their own tests. I mean, a lot of people think the doctor has to order blood tests. That's absolutely not true. Life Extension has all kinds of tests. I recommend that people, number one, get a subscription to that magazine. They're going to learn a lot. And then they're going to learn when these, blood, uh, when these blood test sales come up. And then if they have an issue of some kind, they can go to the hundreds and hundreds of panels that are on the Life Extension website, and they can pick a panel. They can get the results themselves. And then they can take the results to their doctor and say, these are the results I got. Uh, what can we? What can you do to help me? And I think the other thing is, Aubrey, I honestly believe, I, I don't want to have anybody be encouraged to practice medicine without a license, but people can get a health coach that can actually guide them from an educational point of view about what to do when they have certain test results that they want to confirm with them. I hope doctors will get these coaches and use them as part of their practice so that they don't have to have this being done independently. But there are coaches out there certified from the Functional Medicine Institute. And you can buy a couple hours of time from a health coach that's going to be cheaper than getting another doctor's visit. So if you get your own blood tests and you share them with your health coach, and then you go to your doctor and say, this is what the blood test uh, revealed. This is what the health coach recommended. Can you help me with this? This is a really inexpensive way to get some really quality information and share it with your doctor. People need to take the initiative and get this done instead of waiting for the doctor to do this. People need to take the initiative. What's, what's your thinking about it? Is that too convoluted? Is it too risky? I mean, have I gone over the edge again? No, I mean, I think, I, I mean, I am a practicing health coach. And as a health coach, I can speak to the fact that I have time to go over 
pieces of an individual's health and well-being that a doctor does not always have access to or have time to do so. And so I think using health coaches, and we see this within functional medicine practices, we see this within a lot of integrative and holistic practices, they are hiring health coaches because health coaches can help support the doctors, but they can also give a support system to the patients so that there is applicability of, hey, you were told to eat dark leafy greens. Do you know how to eat them? No, let me show you how to prepare them. Let me give you some recipes. These are the reasons why you're eating them. There can be a lot more additional one-on-one and personalized support that you may not always be able to get from your patients. And so I'm in complete agreement. Okay, that's great because I think our our listeners out there, they should be encouraging doctors to get these coaches. They should be encouraging doctors to get these 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 tests that, that are available. And if people won't, if the doctors won't do it, then they, they know that they can go to life extension and get these kinds of tests. Uh, I didn't encourage anybody to go to my site for these tests or this information uh, because I, I don't want to be too commercial about it. But there are lots of good tests out there uh, on, on my website, too. But I, I want them to know there are other sources for this information. And so I'm, I'm glad that you're doing this coaching service. And I'm, I'm sure that the people who get you, they get the advantage of having a, a master chef uh, uh, involved with them, too, so that they can make them know how do you treat this kale how do you cook this kale so that it's tender and tasty <laughs> this is <Right. laughs> this is the challenge and for kids how do we get them to eat these greens without looking at it and going yuck i don't want to eat that and that's so, right <laughs> there's ways that you can do this and so a good coach a good nutritional coach or a good uh, certified uh, coach of some kind with a nutritional background and knows how to prepare these foods they can really do miracles so I, I, I hope we've given enough people some good ideas to think about I, I love your idea the winner of the day is the 100 uh, the 100 garden uh, program I'm going to add that to the list of things that we're going to try to get funding for uh, in the national program that I'm working on so thank you very much Aubrey that was the idea of the day so I'd just like to say uh, thanks to our sponsors today, and the sponsors are uh, Southern Trust Financial Planning, and that's a group in Sarasota, although they can be accessed anywhere in the United States, and Mark Wolf is the CEO, and uh, we've been doing wellness programs with uh, his company for about 15 or 20 years now, and he not only supports us uh, and the program and sending out emails to his clients, he, he has a, a good Facebook following, and he's promoting our program there as well. So thanks a lot to Mark and anybody who needs a really good financial planning company uh, that has a good conscience and is dedicated to not only wealth but health. Uh, Southern Trust Financial Planning is that company. And Don Baker is the CEO of Paddock Pools, and Paddock Pools um, is a company that has a uh, what they call a vacuum extractor that takes uh, a lot of the chlorine gas off of the surface of the pool so that when you swim, you're swimming in highly oxygenated water. It takes off about 95% of that gas. And uh, that's really important because that chlorine gas can destroy uh, zinc and then zinc can actually uh, cause a deficiency in vitamin D3 and vitamin D3 can cause uh, cancer. 
a deficiency in vitamin D3. So these extractors are really good. And Don Baker is also working on uh, advanced systems for improving water systems in the, in the communities. So I'm looking forward to that research and seeing how that comes out. So uh, paddock pools in uh, Rock Hill, North South Carolina. And if you want a pool in your community, he'll come anywhere in the United States and help you to develop this vacuum extractor as part of your pool system. And then there's Don, Dan Hansen. Dan Hansen is the uh, chief contact for me at uh, and, uh, DHA Labs in Chicago. DHA Labs is a really, really progressive uh, company for getting all the test work that you need done. Uh, now, we did mention uh, life extension as another possibility, but this company, DHA Labs, they do advanced testing. In other words, they're able to find things five to ten years before a lot of other plant tests can because they specialize in doing these tests that I've helped to develop many of them to find illness happening five to ten years before when you see cells changing. And so we're seeing this advanced cellular deterioration years before a disease actually starts. And so for those situations, we really think DHA Labs is the place to go. They've got about 50 or 60 years of experience in this advanced testing, especially in the area of the brain. That's, that's been there especially for a long time. So whether it's a small organization or individually, DHA Labs is definitely someplace you want to look into. You can call them on their 800 number. You can get more knowledge and experience about how to use them uh, to your advantage. And finally, the last one is MPB Health. MPB Health is a medical cost sharing company. Rod Maxim is my contact there. And you can find them online. They have videos that explain their, their program. And this is great because they're really into wellness and they're able to do so well in their program with reducing costs that they're able to get the cost down to 30 to 50% less than a regular health insurance program with the same kinds of benefits. So I think that uh, MPB Health is worth considering for small groups or individuals. And uh, I hope you go online and take a look at them and see what they can do that might be something you need at this point in your life. So thanks to our listeners for tuning in today. And I hope we gave you enough information to uh, chew on and do something really healthy with it. And thanks to Aubrey. And uh, we'll see you next time, Aubrey. Thanks for everything you do. All right. Bye for now.